Hello, my name is Jack Elliot Hobbs, and welcome to Unlived Lives, a philosophical YouTube series and podcast in which we explore the lives my guests are not living and why. If you hear any unmotivated sound, it's likely to be my two dogs enjoying life entirely in the present, unaware of any disruption they may be causing. I hope you enjoy listening. My guest in this episode was born in 1960 in Nottingham. Studying politics and sociology at Keele University at the start of the 80s, he worked for Children's ITV and in radio and got a job as a continuity announcer for Central ITV and C4, where he stayed for 24 years. He married his wife, Sue, in 1999 and has two late teenage sons, Jack and Max. Gary now runs a voiceover masterclass for students interested in pursuing work in the voiceover industry. In these sessions, he teaches his students the process of recording a voiceover, shares fundamental knowledge for success as a voiceover artist, and his students leave with four professional demos to jumpstart their career. In search for a local recording studio, he found my studio in 2017, and we've been running regular classes for his students ever since. When Gary's not working, he's out jogging or spending time with his family. Gary Terza, welcome to Unlived Lives. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Absolute pleasure to have you. Who is your biggest fan? My, <laughs> my biggest fan? Um, I don't know. Do you mean family-wise or anyone? Um, I... I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think Sue, but I don't know whether that's necessarily true. <laughs> and it's probably uh, maybe professionally not necessarily. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've had real fans, unbelievably, in the in the past. Right. Um, I'm sure they haven't stayed with me as my <laughs> <laughs> as my career has descended. Um, so um, I I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure I've got any fans, really. I'm not sure I've got a fan. Uh, I could say myself, but that would be a totally narcissistic <laughs> thing. Well, but, but it's not, but it's not. But, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. That's, that's a good question. Um, and I'll come back to you on that one. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you must have had... Did you have people contact you or want to get in touch with you during your continuity career? Um, yes. I mean, you would... Because you were on TV, you would have people who would latch on to you yeah. and you would have various levels of fans. So you'd have people who are vaguely interested in you or, or whatever. Um, and then people who just say, can you 
send a, a signed photo because you're on screen, so you'd send a signed right. photo. And then others would be a bit more persistent, so you get a kind of, you know, uh, a dedicated, dedicated fan. Um, and then you'd get those who perhaps were a little too dedicated, who were not very many in my case, but um, for whatever reason just kind of really zoned in on you and, and, and they were... Uh, they would be obsessed almost. And not that I had many, I had a couple of those. Um, but I think they're quite ephemeral and they soon move on to the next person. Right. <laughs> so. how, did you, how did you go about sort of processing slash mediating them, that situation? I think it's just being polite and firm and saying, uh, no, I am actually married and, <laughs> uh, and saying I, I think it's very difficult because you don't want to upset them and uh, you know they're doing it in in all good faith so I think I just found I had to uh, just basically say well you know this is me on the screen and um, you know um, not that I'm not a real person, but I'm not a. Uh, you know, it, it's difficult to say I'm not available as a as a real person for you. Sure, uh, I think it's just keeping it from memory. It's just keeping it fairly basic, fairly uh, I suppose at arm's length, really. Right. So just being pleasant. In in those days, it was it was letters, so you could have time to to respond. Mm. Um, it's probably much harder, I think, for people these days uh, because of email and Twitter and so on. But in those days, you could have a good think about it. So I just write back saying, thanks very much. You know, here's another signed photo. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate this. Yeah, yeah. Sort of you just have to. But, but I, I didn't have a huge number because I was only on screen really in the 80s. Right. And it, it, most of that was local. So most of that was in the Midlands as opposed to being sort of fully nice. networked, until I did the children's yeah. ITV stuff. Um, and then I was a co-presenter with a presenter called Debbie. So, and she used to get far more fan mail than I did. So, <laughs> and, and that was kind of, I think, there was a running gag on air and things like that. Right. So that wasn't too bad. And, and we did have a production team who'd kind of handle those sorts of things for okay, you. But, sure. um, but yeah, so, I mean, it was quite nice. I mean, it was quite nice when people... Notice. Recognise. Yeah, just, yeah. I, I suppose it's it's one of those things, isn't it, that if someone spots you in Sainsbury's or whatever and says, oh, you know, I recognise you from TV. Yeah. Often, I mean, in my case, because I was a very minor celebrity in the Midlands, um, they would say, oh, I recognise you, but I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, And that would be the usual thing. Yeah. That, that kind of the face was familiar, but they couldn't quite right. pin it down. Yeah. So. Yeah, all of those things. But it was an interesting, interesting. It feels like really. it's sort of a, a, a almost like a you, you dipped your toe into the world of fame. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, sort of. How, how do you feel about fame based on that? I don't think I'd want it really. Right. Not not real fame. Um, no, I'm sure I've read somewhere. Someone said I can't remember who it was, but someone said um, I wouldn't wish it on my own worst enemy yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, I can understand that you know but, but I, like you said I, I sort of probably had the best of both worlds that I could be fairly anonymous mm. but also occasionally get uh, get picked up you mm. know get get recognized so um I, I don't think I'd want it I wouldn't want the whole 
whole shebang. You yeah. know, I think that would be just too too much, too much to cope with. On the assumption you had a vivid imagination as a child, I right. can't imagine you dreamt of being a continuity announcer. So, so I'm assuming there, and feel free to shut me down. But um, if we were to ask the childhood version of you, what would you want? What do you want to do? What would you say? How old am I? On this, uh... Well, up to you. Um. I think I went through various phases of wanting to do things. Like, for a while, I wanted to be a magician. So (laughs) I have one trick, which was a thimble. At least I have a thimble on my finger. And then I'm not going to reveal the the, the background to that and and the secret of it. But I'd take the thimble off, blow my hand, and then it would disappear and then come back. (sighs) And I thought this was a brilliant trick. And I remember doing it when I was in Cub Scouts, and they used to do a gang show. You know the gang show? which was like the sort of variety show. And I went to do a local one in Nottingham um, and really sort of, I've got this amazing (laughs) trick. And my turn was getting up on stage and doing this. And I did it. And someone showed another... Cub Scout shouted out, I know how you've done that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no. And I was completely <laughs> deflated, and that was it. Because uh, at one point, I remember saying to my dad, oh, please, can you pay for me to join the Magic Circle? Oh, wow. On my, with my one trick. <laughs> and uh, he was saying, well, you know, I think you need some more tricks up your sleeve before you do anything <laughs> how else. How old were you at this point? I was probably about 10, 11, okay, something right. like that. And um, so I never became a, a magician. I used to like the, the magicians of the time. Mm. Was that uh, what inspired you? Was that who inspired Yeah, I think so. Just watching TV and seeing these, these guys. It was, I think magic goes, and illusionists go through phases, don't mm. they? So they were sort of back in with, uh, more recently with people like David Blaine. Right, so sure. On. In and out of fashion. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but at the time, it was people like um, David Nixon, who was quite a well-known one. <laughs> And uh, boys, thank you. It's the dogs uh, going off. Yes, <laughs> they. Um, and so I was quite, um, I was quite inspired by by what he was doing. Um, and um, so I, I suppose that that's kind of in, you know was enough for for me to want to to go and do to it. pursue so, it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then and then after that, you you alluded to music uh, magician, and then. Uh, after that, probably I wanted, bizarrely, I wanted to be a doctor. Oh, wow. Well, I okay. thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I was rubbish at science, <laughs> which is a bad start. <laughs> and I remember saying to my friend's mum, she would say, oh, what do you want to be? And I was about 11, 12 then. I said, I want to be a, a doctor. Mm. So she would always say, you know, how are you getting on with your medical studies? <laughs> yeah. And I'd say, well, I'm terrible at maths. I'm terrible at chemistry. I'm not doing very well at physics. I'm okay at biology, but that's about it. And then I took my options and I remember majoring in sciences, which was a complete and utter mistake because oh. I was rubbish at them. And I think I only realised sort of several years later that actually what I wanted was to be maybe an actor playing a doctor. Oh, wow. (laughs) And and in fact, I thought about this the other day and I thought, yeah, that's what I wanted to be, really. I I didn't really want to be a doctor. I wanted to be on screen doing... At the time, there were programmes like Emergency Ward 10, General Hospital. Right. Um, These were shows that I must have seen. And I remember thinking that's, that's... that's what it. I want to do. But actually, I don't think I did want to do it. No. Uh, be, uh, enter the medical profession. So, of course, I never, 
never even got close, basically, because I flunked all my uh, my O-levels in science. So that was not a good start. So did you, you made decisions about your exams and obviously yeah, based I mean, on that dream? In those days, and it probably is still the same to some extent, but in those days at 14 you were told you had to choose your options. Mm. So your options were usually go for arts or social sciences yeah. or the sciences. And I stupidly went for the sciences. And, and I mean, you still did. You had to still do English and history and, and so on mm. and a language. But um, I ended up sort of chemistry, maths, physics. And I probably could have got away with just doing one of those or two of them, mm. whatever, the, uh, whatever the requirement was at the time. Um, but I ended up uh, sort of with, you know, in, down, going down the science route at O level, so GCSE standard. Um, and uh, it was definitely not not for me, and no. I wish I'd sort of taken more artsy things, you know. That would have been, that what, would like have been what? better. Well, I suppose if drama, I'm not sure drama was available at the school, but maybe drama or something like that to might have... To pursue the acting. Yeah, yeah. possibly, possibly. Um, so it's just one of those things that I remember teachers saying, oh, you must, what if, whatever you choose, I remember them saying this, whatever you choose at 14 will determine the rest of your life. Yeah, that's not true. Which is a bit of a ridiculous yeah. thing, is there? Yeah, yeah. They, they still yeah. say that sort of thing. But um, And that was, you know, just completely wrong to say yeah. to a 14-year-old, you know. It strikes fear into you, doesn't well, it? Well, absolutely. Like They're saying the you, make, you make this this choice now and that's it. It will determine the rest of your life. The rest of your life. And actually, it doesn't no. at all. Yeah. You know, you can go off and do something else. You might end up doing your sciences or your drama or mm. whatever mm. Um, at a later date. You know, yeah. who cares? And who... become an infinitely more interesting person well, in the absolutely. process. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. Potentially, so, yeah. 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 Wow. Describe an important teacher in your life outside of school. Outside of school, but a teacher. Well, I think it would be someone called Mrs Thacker, not Mrs Thatcher, the Prime Minister, but Mrs Thacker. Right who worked in a, a newsagents, and I, worked, I got a job in a newsagents in my late teens, and um, she taught me how to do maths, basically, oh, wow. arithmetic. She didn't know she was teaching me. It was kind of, she would have done it, you know, sort of uh, just getting me to add up prices in the, in the newsagents, and yeah. I was on the sweet counter to uh. begin with. <laughs> so I noticed when I started, I could, because my arithmetic was so bad and I never learned my times tables mm. properly. Counting and, out sweets. Yeah, well, <laughs> not counting out sweets so much, but um, you in those days you didn't have a, um, a till that would add up sure. or tell you how much change you had to do. So it all had to be in your head or you, uh, could, you could write it down. On your fingers, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I would be under the counter. People would come over and say, you know, I want <laughs> 20 number six cigarettes, uh, I want a Sun <laughs> newspaper and a Sporting Life magazine uh, and, you know, some bonbons, two ounces of bonbons, please. How much is that? And I think, oh, that's a big order. <laughs> but these people would come in and they would know what the price was because they'd always order, the, right, usually order the, the same, same thing. Things. So they'd come in and go, that's £4.27. And I go, thank you, that's £4.27. Yeah. But I'd be like this. And I, I remember seeing Mrs Thacker looking over at me once, but she never said anything. She'd just go, oh, well, just add that up. And after a while... I just, I, looking at her do it, yeah. and she had no real education, you know, she 
was much older and so on. Mm. Uh, and they would have had no education in those days, not, not like we were having in the 70s. Um, and I remember just seeing her in action mm. and she'd go, right, that's uh, £2.30 plus £1.40. And, that's, and she'd be <laughs> able to come up with, you know, absolutely spot on yeah. with, the, with the correct amount and give the correct change. Wow just in her head. Mm. I thought, that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> so I just kind of, just through dint of doing it lots and lots of times, yeah. ended up um, being Absorbing quite good it, at it. Well, I was yeah. quite good towards the end. You know, after a few months, I knew that, you know, a packet of fags cost that much, yeah. and cigars were that price, and when you added that to the newspaper, you got this price, yeah. and this was the change you would give. Has that helped you since? No. <laughs> well, it sort of Thank did you, for Mrs. a while. <laughs> yeah. I've lost the ability, I think, now. Don't, right. I mean, it, it was definitely, I say that, but maybe it helps. Maybe it helps a day little bit. It probably does. Yeah. It probably does. Yeah. Uh, and you don't need, we've got calculators. I mean, we did have calculators then, but they were rarer. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it was certainly something that I thought, I've learned that. And I, you know, all my time at school, I never learned any, how to add up at all no. or, to, or to give change, but I do now. So I realise that sometimes it's in the real world that you actually discover where, you, you know, how to do things. Oh, and, so, and how absolutely. To do things properly. It's, it's like they're trying to teach you languages in school. Yeah. And then actually yeah. you spend a year in the country and yeah, yeah. you sort of pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to. Yes. Yeah. I guess, you know, there's yeah. similarities in there. Yeah. Um, is there anyone that you regret losing touch with? Um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose when you get older, you do lose touch with people, mm. don't you? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure really. I mean, I've tried to stay in contact with a lot of my university friends. Mm. I'm probably, because they all, my university friends sort of, although the, we were all about the same age, I was slightly younger in, in many cases, um, because we all kind of graduated roughly at the same time and we kept in contact. That was great, but they went off and got married and had children much earlier than oh, I did. Right. So I was a late developer, okay. which has always been the case in my life, really. Uh, I've been a late developer, so I came to that party at a much, much later date. So there, some of those are now grandparents, mm. and I think, I'm just starting out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, my boys are growing up, but... You know, I'm just starting out as a parent, let alone a grandparent. How, so, did, how did that feel? How did that feel for you at the time? I think, um, well, it's sort of ongoing because they're, you know, popping out the grandchildren right, <laughs> as, sure. as we speak. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, it felt. Um, I think it just. I just thought, oh, they're way, way ahead of me, and I'm just slightly behind. And also, I think it, it just underscores the fact that I went off and did something different so i didn't right. go into you know they went into more professional job real, proper jobs, real jobs real yeah, jobs yeah, yeah. Uh, and they weren't you know some of them went to be lawyers or teachers um and uh, you know just just those kinds of jobs are very different to 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 mine really yeah although i think one or two of them might think oh i you know would have loved to have done that sure and maybe vice versa maybe i think I should have gone well, off been and... been an actor. A, oh, no. Or, or, well, no. A bit of lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or, or an accountant or whatever. Mm. So I think in some ways, yes, that that 
means you're slightly on the periphery mm. compared to just being there because you wouldn't I wasn't there you know when they they all went on holiday together because they they had their children together you know sure. so they were all it playing was, so I was sort of slightly yeah. on the outside yeah 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 and uh, couldn't really yeah join in with that still enjoying the life of North London or whatever um and so they, you put you put it entirely down to um your job that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, not entirely. I think it would have been me anyway that I would have taken taken my time because I'm a late developer. Sure. Uh, it taken my time to get round to. I mean, it does take time to meet the right person and course, you know yeah, settle down. And you, can't, do you don't this. get a choice in that matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I was lucky. I bought a house quite early on, um, so I was doing that. But even they had all bought their houses by the time I bought mine. Right. You know. So, um, and I think that pushes you sort of slightly into the outer orbit a little bit mm. yeah and so are you in are you still in touch with yes yeah I mean we are yes yeah maybe because of the lockdown and everything not, not as not much interestingly moment, but um yeah I've still got those those people and I've got a you know very good long-term friend school friend mm. basically um and we're, we're still you know in contact even though we haven't seen each other for a long time for various reasons but um, we're still in contact and, and um, you know, so that's been going on since I was 11. So mm. it's about 50, 50 years. It'll be 50 years this <laughs> September. So We'll have to have a celebration. Obviously, after university, yeah. you know, there was, sounds like you quite quickly got your job in sort of TV and radio. Yeah, it's really How lucky. did that happen? Well, I mean, that's that for me was um, just incredible and also for people around me at the time mm. because there was a big recession on in 1982 and most of the people I uh, in, in my class at university, fellow graduates, were struggling to, to find any work. Mm. And I remember even before I'd graduated, I managed to get the impersonal, <laughs> I managed to get this amazing job oh. as an announcer or trainee announcer on TV. And people were saying to me, um, you know, oh, have you got a job? You know, and I was saying... Yeah. They went, wow, what, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to be on the telly. You know, I'm going to be wow. on TV. I just go, what? So for me, it was amazing. But I think for people around me, it, it was amazing as well. Kind yeah. of, my goodness, you know, not only has he got a job, but he's got a job on TV, yeah. you know. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible. And I think, um, you know, I had that, I was really lucky to have that, that break at, at that point of time, going mm. straight from university straight into a job, so. and and if you, and say if that was one of your friends and not you, mm. what do you think? Where would you have gone? What was your plan at that? point? I would have been really envious. <laughs> I would have been very jealous right. I think, because I think I wanted to do something because I was doing some hospital radio at the time. So um, I do that was in Nottingham, but I was at Keele, which is where I was at university. But I used to go back in, in holiday time and um, do work for Mrs. Thacker in yeah. the newsagents and sweet shop. But I also used to go and do hospital radio as well. So I knew, in fact, I was aiming to try and get into radio if right. I could. But then this, this job came up in TV. And it was close enough. you know. Yeah, having... absolutely. I thought, well, even better, yeah. isn't it? You know, so, yeah. it's kind of, I thought, well, I want to be in radio, but... Why don't I give this TV thing? So, how did the radio thing come about? Because you went from wanting to be an actor, doctor, yeah, <laughs> to to wanting to be on the radio. 
Um, I think I'd always like listening to the radio. And right. me and my friend Colin, my, my best friend, mm. who uh, we've been friends 50 years now, yeah. um, we used to muck about with tapes and things. And in those days, it was proper tapes, you know, kind of reel-to-reel tapes. And I had an old Philips reel-to-reel tape machine that my parents had bought me. It's from my Uncle Ron. They couldn't afford to buy them. These things were very expensive. Um, and they bought uh, off my Uncle Ron for my Christmas one year, about 71, 72. Uh, they bought this tape machine. Mm. And I discovered that if you put the erase, if you put some tape on the erase head, you could multi-track. Oh, so yeah. I discovered this and I thought, that's amazing. I can do all these funny voices and silly things. And so wow, I used okay. to say this to my friend Colin, and say, well, let's muck about with it. So we did. So we started off impersonating teachers and doing silly things like that and doing yeah. silly sketches, uh, which we did. And that's kind of how it, it sort of developed, really. So although that wasn't radio directly, I was involved in sound recording mm. to an extent um so that and, and but i used to love listening to the radio as well mm. and uh, there wasn't much of it when i was growing up there was sort of the bbc and then commercial radio came along and um i just i just loved listening to it so and i thought hmm, i'd quite like to be a radio dj mm. i think radio presenter and um, so I ended up doing that, but much later, but professionally anyway. I mean, I did it sort of voluntarily sure, as, a, yeah. uh, as a student on hospital radio. Mm. And then went off to um, sort of late 80s, I, I managed to... Well, in fact, early 80s, I ended up on the Birmingham radio station, BRMB. And then I did some stuff uh, for Radio Trent, which mm. was my uh, local station in Nottingham and Derby. Um, did that sort of at the end of the 80s. So I did end up doing some proper radio right. that I was getting paid for. Um, but I sort of went a very circuitous route to to get to it. So there. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And and on that, sort of going back to, um, you know, if you're, if one of your friends had, had got that uh, job instead of you and you'd feel envious, um, do you, who are you envious of now? I'm, I'm not sure I am now, but I remember, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I've got a lot of envy. I don't think, oh, I want to do that mm. now because I feel I've done, I've sort of dabbled in things and that's kind of satisfied my, my, my hunger, if you like, or scratched that mm. itch. Mm. So I don't think I would be. But I do remember uh, when I was at school, I had another friend called Mark and he ended up on a TV show, like a kid's TV show, as a guest. Right. Really? It was a, uh, a programme, I think it was called Search. And I remember he got that. And I was really pleased for him. But I remember thinking, oh, I want that's what I want to do. So I knew <laughs> in the back of my mind, I wanted to be on TV or radio. But yeah. he got on kind of on uh, the BBC, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And also there was lots of, like in the, in the school magazine, he was featured, you know, we have a star in our midst and all that. And I did think... I did start to get a bit envious then, mm. and I thought, hmm, I'd like to do that. So, Do you feel like you've lived or are living an ordinary or extraordinary life? I think I've done some extraordinary things. Rather than extraordinary, mm. it's not particularly extraordinary, but I've done some things that lots of people will never get to do. Mm. And for me, that's that's great. So I would say... 
I've had extraordinary moments mm. in wrapped up in a in an ordinary, fairly fairly sort of ordinary life. I think mm. it, it depends on your definition of ordinary, doesn't it? Is it usual? Um, I don't know really, but it's uh, yeah. I've 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 kind of I've done some good things, you mm. know, that I've enjoyed doing that mm. I think are a bit different and. Um, and it's quite nice when people say, what, what do you do? And you, you say, well, I've been on the telly or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that you think, oh, well, it's quite nice to, to say that really rather mm. than I'm an accountant or I'm a lawyer yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's unusual. Yeah, it's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think for me that's personally that's been very good because I was brought up on – I mean, in a very good uh, way by my parents. Mm. But, um, you know, people didn't do that. I mean, people didn't go to university. I was born and bred on a, on a council estate and people didn't go to university, mm. you know. Uh, and I was certainly, I think, possibly one of the first in my family to do that. In those days, people didn't go to university. I mean, it's completely different now. But in those days, you just didn't. Wow. So that in itself was was kind of an achievement, mm. you know. So I felt from doing absolutely or being rubbish at everything, especially sciences, but sports, you know, utter rubbish, mm. um, and then doing something, I thought, oh, well, I can do something, you know. I'm not totally, totally useless. <laughs> so in that way, it's been, it, it's been so far, and hopefully I'll carry on a bit, um, you know, good, extraordinary life for me, you know, but... Um, Maybe in years to come, I'll think, no, no, that was pretty pretty darn ordinary. Mm. I don't think so, though. But it's it's about comparison, that question. Yes. Perhaps, yeah. you know, it's, as you said, what, how do you define ordinary? Mm. You know. Mm. Um, we've touched on this before in one of our sessions. I've mentioned it before. Uh, Mr. Robert Frost. Do you think there is any truth in the lines, they fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. Um, as a parent, yeah, I, and I, also a son. As a, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think they uh, they inadvertently may do, yes. But I think it's a double edged sword, and I think sometimes they, you know, hopefully in most cases, you know, you you give your children all the right things and give them the the, the fertile soil to grow. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there probably is some, some truth in that and you, you, you know, you're not doing it deliberately. Mm. And I, and I noticed that with, with my sons, you know, I think I could have done things perhaps a different way. I don't know what things, but I'm sure they'll tell um, me. You know, would, would you have gone too far that way or, you know, yeah, perhaps, whatever it was. Perhaps. Or... Yeah. I remember my mum once saying that, um, she was, um, quite old when she told me this, but she said, oh, I think I was a bit too strict. Right. So it's interesting that she said that. I don't remember her being particularly too strict, but there may have been occasions when when she was. But did you feel? Did you agree? Um, yeah, I probably did at the time. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think um, it's so difficult to be a parent. You know, it, it is so difficult, and it's an old cliche, isn't it? But it is because there's no manual with it. You only know from your own experience, or maybe looking around at other people. Mm. But uh, it it is. It is tough, yeah, and it, and it's difficult to do. You hope you're just doing the right thing, and that's all you can do. But mm. I think the other thing is, as a parent, don't beat yourself up and 
hopefully as a kid, don't beat yourself up about your parents, unless they were really horrible to you. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. sure. but, um, you know, I think most parents are, are trying to do the very, very best. Mm. And you would have made mistakes, you know, and things like that. Yeah. So. And, and do you think there's a sort of a resolution for that? You know, if there's been mistakes, there have been misunderstandings or misinterpretations, like how, how can that be resolved? I don't know. I, I think it depends on it depends on the parents and the child, mm. doesn't it? Or the children, and and you know you can't. I don't think you can have a prescriptive. This is what you must do. Sure. Um, and I think you know you you could you can dive too deeply into it, mm. and sometimes you're just trying to survive. So just trying to pay the mortgage, or just trying to, you know get them off to school or whatever. Um, so I don't, um, personally, I don't think, well, I mean, maybe, like I say, maybe the boys will come back to me in years to come <laughs> and say, you should have done this, you should have done that. I uh, hate you for this. <laughs> but then, of course, it's too late. It'll be too yeah. late for me. But if they can learn from that, then then you can. But obviously the poem says, uh, it, really, at the end of the day, you're you're repeating the mistakes. You're repeating the same mistakes, hmm. aren't you? Um, which I'm sure happens. Perhaps just understanding that is a good starter, isn't it? Just that sure. you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You just hope that they're not internalised too much or they don't throw the child off course, mm. you know, or have some scarring or profound mm. effect on them. Mm. So it, if you can do that, then hopefully as a parent, you're doing quite well, you mm. know, and you've done done your bit but yeah difficult difficult one really super super difficult mm. and on that on that sort of tangent what are the happiest memories of your parents um i think probably holidays uh going away on holiday with them uh they always made sure that we had a we had a holiday even if it was just on the east coast the bitterly cold <laughs> English East Coast and swimming in the North Sea. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Which is not, well, I say swimming in it, you know, sort no. of paddling in it yeah. probably. Uh, so I have, um, yeah, I think I, and just generally, I mean, uh, you get them, I mean, sadly my parents are no longer around mm. uh, and you do think, oh, it'd be nice to chat to them again. Mm. Uh, but, you know, that's not, not possible. Mm. So... Um, do you feel like you didn't chat to them enough when they were around? Or? Well, they they were part of a, a generation that you didn't talk about your emotions too much. Mm. Not too much. They and that was that was par for the course, wasn't it? People who'd, in terms of my mum and dad, my dad had fought in the war, you know, mm. and they often didn't want to talk about that. Although sometimes they then talked about it too much. So I remember my dad, say, if he got together with his brother, they just talk about the war. And we go as kids, oh, oh, stop yeah, talking about say. the war, it's really boring. Yeah. But now I think, actually, I'd really like to know more, especially, mm. you know, some of my sons will talk about it or they'll talk about it from a historical perspective. And I'll say, well, actually, your granddad was in the war, you know, he was in the RAF, he was in the desert. And they must have endured, I mean, it must have been horrific, if you think about it. They, these were young guys, 19, 20, you know, going Destroyed. off to war and being forced to go off as well, you know, being conscripted yeah. to go off. So, I, uh, you know, 
perhaps if I'd spoken a bit more about it. But I think there was some, there perhaps was a shutter that came down that they didn't want to talk about some things, but some funny things they would talk about. Mm. And, you know, and it obviously had a profound effect on, on that generation. Mm. And, what would you uh, like to talk about? If, if you could, what would you talk to them about now? I'd, I'd talk about maybe get the my boys involved and say, well, let's let's talk about what you did. You know, what was it really like being out there? Yeah. Um, what was it like being a, a teenager or, or someone in their twenties? Um, best years of your life, aren't they? Really. Sure. You, and and whereas I had such a, in a way, such a privileged upbringing in the sense that. I didn't have to go off to war. Mm. I went to university, you know. Sure. But at the, the time I was doing that, and it's only kind of latterly I've thought about this, that, you know, my dad would have been in the war. He would have had no opportunity to go and do further education mm. or whatever. Um, it just wasn't a choice. It just wasn't, wasn't on, yeah, it wasn't on the table. So um, I suppose I'd like to, I suppose more kind of to say to them, thank you. Mm. That's, that's a hard thing you know, because you don't want to say thank you when they're around, <laughs> particularly. Um, uh, and it's a very difficult thing to to do. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you were to magic them up, mm. I'd say, you know, just thank you very much, mm. really. Mm. And we might have had disagreements or whatever. Um, but, you know, they, I, I was fortunate that they, they, were, they were really supportive, even though they often didn't understand what was going on. Mm. So they'd be supportive of me going into TV and radio and, and pursuing that. So they never said, you've been to university, you should go off and train to be a civil servant or right. an accountant or whatever. They never said any of that. Right. We've both, me and Sue, have both tried to do that with our boys and say, it doesn't matter. You don't have to go off down a certain route. You These might exams want to aren't going to absolutely, rule the rest absolutely. of your life. Yeah. And, and my parents were really good like that. Right. They were just sort of whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, mm. uh, we'll support you. Fantastic. Yeah. Although they did, often didn't understand it. So I'd say, you know, I don't know, I'm doing continuity, from whatever, on, on TV. And I think it was they were so overwhelmed by it yeah. because they hadn't been brought up in that sort of environment. Mm. And, and uh, it was completely un, unnatural for, or unusual. But they were very proud of it, you know, mm. in their own way. So uh, for them, it was, um, you know, it was a big thing. So... I think in terms of uh, what I'd say is just thanks, thanks a lot for supporting me. Mm. You know, you don't, you probably didn't realise you were supporting me because you, you weren't, didn't seem you were overtly doing anything, but you were. You know, you gave me that that um, stable background to be able to to go off and do it. You know, is there anything your boys do that? In turn, you don't understand now. Yeah. <laughs> lots of things like lots of, um, I, su I suppose, game playing. Right. It's your generation and younger, yeah, isn't sure. it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just don't get it. I've tried and they've tried to get me to play FIFA and I just, you know, I've got terrible thumbs or, or I can't, I can't, I'm not quick enough. Um, so I just can't get my head around the gameplay. I sort of, I accept that, yes, I'm sure it's really addictive and mm. it's great fun and I really appreciate the graphics and sure. I can see that graphics are getting better, you know, uh, yeah, just watching sure. them. Um that the sets are getting better and the the humans uh, are looking more human. 
Um, so I do appreciate that. And I do like some of the decor on Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> Which is very nice. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I don't like the violence. And I said to them, why don't they do a game about diplomacy? Well, there's no <laughs> violence. You don't have to shoot anyone. And I, and, and I suppose some of the things I could hear my parents say, not that we play games, but, you know, sort of, all uh, oh, there's too much violence on TV or right. whatever. Uh, and they're kind of shooting and, and uh, you know, there's blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, oh, surely you don't have to do that. There's too much real violence. Was and, there ever a moment that you reminded yourself of your mother or father? In, yeah, sort of. Watching, <laughs> watching stuff on TV. I mean, I can't remember any specific programmes, right. but there must have been stuff I liked that they thought, you know, and I remember thinking, oh, I shouldn't be watching this because they don't like it. Right. They, don't, they don't understand it, you know. Probably something like Monty Python, for example, which right. was, you know, my mum and dad had been... Yeah, well, <laughs> it was just stupid to them, you know, but that was the point that it was stupid and yeah. so silly. It yeah. was very funny. But um, it's just a generational thing, isn't it, really? Yeah, so, um, yeah, gameplay, a real big thing. I ought to try and learn to play a proper video game and be good at it. <laughs> I, have to ask them, I, have to, I have to ask them. I mean, I have to say, it would be wonderful to be able to play a game with my dad. Would it? I mean, that would be a really does your, does cool thing. Does your dad thing. play? No. No? No chance. Have you ever tried to, no to teach him? No chance. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. But um, and, and is that because your dad is not of that generation? He's just uh, missed it? Entirely missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He just, uh, I, I think in a similar way to you, I just don't think he, he gets it. You know, my, my brother is in video games. He, he's an environment artist. And and um, and there's sort of like, what's that again? You know, what do you actually do? You know, so, um, so yeah. It's... The thing is, and we've discussed this, that I get a lot of people um, contacting me saying, I want to be a voice actor in video games. Yeah. And I think, why? Why do you want to do, why do you... <laughs> Why not do a butter commercial <laughs> or a shampoo commercial? It's much more exciting. The same price. <laughs> yeah. well. well, it is. Um, and I always think, and, and they, the, the, but they're so passionate about it, mm. you know. And, and I suppose I don't understand, or I try to understand the the, the reason for the passion. Mm. Um, but that that's difficult. I th it must just be a generational thing. Although I used to love playing Space Invaders at the arcade, so oh. I did enjoy that. What What age were you when that came out? I might have been sort of early 20s. Okay. So prime right. time, you know, had I been um, younger um, or had I been around, you know, 20s in, in whatever dates the, the, the uh, video games really took off, yeah. um, I probably would have got hooked on sure. it. I'm sure I would. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I love TV and radio, which for us was the, was the thing at the time. Yeah. But the really um, ironic thing is that, my youngest son, who's 18, is really into vinyl. And he loves playing. And I've got all these vinyl <laughs> albums, of course. He's really into playing vinyl. And I'm saying, don't use that. Use Spotify. Wow. <laughs> so, much so I'm listening to yeah. Spotify on my Bluetooth headphones when I go jogging. <laughs> and he's putting the needle onto the, onto the, uh, onto the record, That's, you know, and all those crackles and pops coming I mean, the, the, but it's an appreciation for the sort of it feels so much more because i've i've got yeah. a few final as well and yeah. i've got my my mum's old player and, and and all the rest of it and there is something about holding it and it's an appreciation that you have to listen to the whole record otherwise you have to spend ages trying to find the track you know well that that's a really interesting thing because uh, my other son couldn't understand where the beginning of the record was and i was saying well it's just there it's right at the start you know and he said well why is there that gap there and i said well that's 
before the story actually <laughs> Start begins. On the track, yeah. And uh, he couldn't understand, and, and they, you know, it's quite hard, I think, to un- to explain what it means to flip the LP over yeah. and and play the other side. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's that's been a big uh, a big kind of explaining moment. But I'm amazed at how uh, particularly Max has has really got into into vinyl, and I think he likes the artwork. As well, and that's sure. the big thing. And like you were saying, they're just small little squares now. You you barely see them. Absolutely, you know? and so the artwork doesn't matter too much, no. I suppose. And certainly with CDs, I thought they never mattered particularly because it was so small compared mm. to a twelve-inch album. And the great thing about albums is they're absolutely perfect for pieces of art, aren't they? You mm. could hang them on your on your wall, Indeed, really. Yeah, yeah, and they all fit together and you yeah. can do a big collage or whatever. Yeah. And it's the physicality, isn't it? It's the Absolutely. physicality yeah. of, of owning that that um, that piece of real estate music, if you like. <laughs> what are the best features of middle age? I'm glad you said middle age rather than the uh, start of old age. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I, I, I didn't like being... 50, I must admit, that was the only, like, when I got to 30, I thought it was great. When I got to 40, it was okay. When I got to 50, I didn't like it. When I got to 60, I was okay. But 50, I thought, I felt old. Suddenly, 50, five, zero, sounded like an old number. Right. And I felt middle-aged at that point. And also, um, I lost my mum and my father-in-law at that time. So it was, um, it was a big sort of watershed in some ways. Mm. I think as you get older, beyond, for me anyway, beyond that age, so to when you get to 60, you think, well, that's it, not that's it, <laughs> the end. <laughs> but um, th- now you can sort of relax a little bit. You, you have less to prove, I suppose. Mm. That's the big thing, isn't it? So um, I don't feel I have to prove anything or, you know, some of my old university friends were still saying in my 40s and 50s maybe, when are you going to get a proper job? You know, yeah. When are you going to use your degree to do a different career, have a different career? And I was thinking, well, this is my career. It's what I, what I do and what I've done, and I've done it now. So I, uh, I, th- I think it's that, that sense of I don't have to go out and prove it, probably to myself, I don't have to prove anything. Mm. Um, and anything is a bonus, <laughs> so anything that comes along. So, yeah, I'm probably, uh, you know, I've always been fairly laid back and mellow anyway, but I think I probably am even more so internally. So I don't think, mm, you know, I've, I've got to go and do this and go and do that. I know some people think the, the reverse, that they've got to go and climb up Everest or whatever sure. yeah. or go and walk the Pennine Way mm. or go windsurfing or something. Something fantastic. Yeah, and I don't have any of that, but I never have. I've never been very adventurous <laughs> at all. I'm really boring in that sense. So I've never been adventurous and uh, I still don't want to do any of those things. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe but, ask me at 70 and I might go, oh, yeah. Yeah, got, finally. Yes. I'm going to do got, Everest now. I've got to go scuba diving. <laughs> when do you feel shy? Um... I suppose in big groups, I'm not a I'm not a big group person, and that's taken me a long time to discover. And me and Sue have talked about this, and I think there are people who are very good mm. in groups, but I tend to get I tend to get overwhelmed, I think, by them. And also, I can only seem to spend a certain amount of time with them. And again, it's something I've only realised 
in later life and accepted myself mm. that if I see a whole load of people, it's lovely to see them, you know, and I have a really good time and then I've had enough. Mm. Not that I'm being rude and I'm going to walk off and I wouldn't, but I remember going, uh, some friends all got together a few years ago and it was great, really had a good time and then we all stayed over in this cottage and then the next day they wanted me to go off and do something else. Mm. You know, they were all going off. I can't remember to see someone else. Yeah. And I, I thought, no, I just want to go home. Mm. I just want to go. I've, I've actually reached my limit, limit now. Mm. That's it. I'm over. My brain's overwhelmed. I can't have any more bonhomie. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to go. Uh, and I did. And some of them were a bit, oh, you're sort of going, well, yeah, I've got to get back and so on. Yeah. Um, so, and I think it's ac- accepting that to mm. some extent. Um, How do you think society views that? You know, we're sort of touching on extroversion and introversion, aren't we? Yeah, I think when I was growing up, being quiet was a virtue. So particularly right. if you were in a noisy class. So a lot of the teachers used to say to my parents at parents' evening, um, oh, we love Gary, he's so well-behaved and uh, he's quiet. Right. And that was a big tick. Now the reverse would be true. Yeah. And they would say, oh, he's so quiet, what's the matter with him? Mm. You know, mm. Um and I think that's a that's a bad thing because I think it's okay to be quiet. Mm. Um, and I think Stephen King said something like, "the the the quietest people have the loudest minds." I know it's, uh, it's really stuck with mm. me that, and it's probably very true. You know, just because you're quiet and you're not saying anything doesn't mean anything. Nothing's mom, happening. No, yeah. and my mum was very quiet. My mum would, you know be with uh, uh, family and friends and she would hardly say anything. And I used to think, oh, God, you know, she's had a terrible time. Yeah. And afterwards she'd go, oh, it's really enjoyable, wasn't it? So she, <laughs> she would have enjoyed sure. it in her own way. So I enjoy company. I'm, I'm a sort of gregarious loner, I think yeah. would be the... So I'm, I'm quite sort of gregarious and friendly with people. For a short amount of time. For a, short, a fairly mm. short amount of time, yeah. And then after that... I mean, it depends how much alcohol is flowing. I <laughs> if the alcohol is flowing, maybe it's, it's it'll extend that time. But even yeah. then, you know, by the end the of The morning it, after, like, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It's time to go home Yeah, and, you know, just be on my own or something. So did you, what was the process of discovering that? You said that discovered, you discovered that quite recently. Yes. I mean, it's taken me 60 years to, to, <laughs> to, 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 to realise, or to accept it, I think, to accept right. it, that, you know, and... I think you don't realise you're being quiet or shy until people tell you because mm. you may be sort of engaged in your own way. So you may be really listening to what's going on in the room mm. if there are a lot of people there. Um, and perhaps to other people, some in some groups, maybe I don't come across as shy, you know. Mm. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's a misunderstanding that if you are shy or quiet or whatever, you know, being on TV or radio would be the last thing you want to do. Sure. But I think it's the reverse. Because you're that, alone in a room. <laughs> you're alone in a room. Absolutely. You're alone in a room and you, you're in control. Yeah. And there's no one else there. You hope there is someone there, but it mm. doesn't matter because you're, you've got some sort of control over it. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a fascinating subject, actually. But, yeah, it's taken me a long time to accept it. I think I've always known... You know, I've always been a bit quieter. But then sometimes I quite like loud people. So sometimes I get on, you know, some of my friends are quite loud and so yeah. on. Um, Complimentary, although, yeah. perhaps, yeah. And they'll bring me up to a certain level. Right. So I'll be more engaged. But then other times I just think, oh, I've just sort of probably closed down hmm. rather than 
than open up. If it's too know. much. If it's too much, yeah. If it's too, yeah. the group's too big. Yeah. Yeah. But but again, it depends. I think it depends on the setting. The setting and the context are really important, aren't they? Mm. Um, but I think, you know, if you, if, if you were to say, oh, there's a whole load of people coming here. I mean, I would, like I say, I'd be gregarious and I'd chat to people and so on. And then after a while, I'd probably just... Sit in a corner somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, With my it. beer. Yeah. yeah, quite. And just have a nice, quiet rest mm. of your evening. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think other people regard you as a good listener? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. A good listener. I try to be. I try to be a good listener. Sue always accuses me of not listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then that, there may be some truth in that, but... Um, I try to be a good listener. Yeah, I mean, particularly with with uh, close friends, I tried. Yeah, you know, um, I try to to listen as much as possible and, mm. and take that on. So, yeah, but maybe they've got a different. What different what, view. what do you think the attributes of a good listener are? Listening, <laughs> I think. I think it's it's not interrupting and not coming back with your own equivalent story. Right. I think that might be a one of them. Uh, one of the, the attributes, so that you, if someone's saying to you, right, this has happened to me, or I've got a health issue, whatever, mm. you don't say, well, it's a funny thing, that happened to me as well, <laughs> but I was all right, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, it, oh, you need to get that sorted, I right, it happened to me. And I think trying to hold back on the equivalent stories, really, um, until the appropriate moment and then come in, because sometimes if, if someone's saying something that strikes a chord with you yeah. you want to go back and and, and share of, it yeah and you yeah. want to have a riposte with the, with the conversation don't you yeah but i think that probably is is kind of anti-listening so i think it's better to just sort of sit back and and take it on board mm. and then ask questions at the appropriate moments mm. um and sometimes just being a listening post you know actually being someone to listen to to play that role of the listener because sometimes all people want to do is get something off their chest, don't sure. they? So, and sure. if, if you're that that person, then then fine. So, I think probably that is a good listener. You know, someone who who will do that and then mm. not judge you. Of course, that's the other thing. Perhaps also there's there's um, another attribute might be the cultivation of helping somebody to find the right words to say what they're yeah. trying to say, asking yeah. the right question. That's you know, yes. partly what this is about. Yeah. You know? And without being too prescriptive of this is what you should do. Indeed. Unless yeah. they say, what do you think I should do? Yeah. So you can offer advice at appropriate points. I'm not sure I do all of this, but this is a kind of, <laughs> this is the ideal list that, yes. <laughs> that I hope to become one day. Um, but I think if you uh, if you are a good listener, you'll, you'll be there just taking on board what they're saying. Mm. And then hopefully nudging them in the right direction. If you know the answer, you may not know the answer. Mm. That doesn't matter. But you're there to kind Actively of take it on board. Yeah, take it on board. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's really curious thing because I've you know, I, I've been a terrible listener for a lot of my life. Have you? Like I've just done. Oh, you know, I've no. just brought the conversation onto myself and done a perfect example of what yeah. exactly what you're saying. Oh, I'm going to talk oh, no, about no, my no. experience. I think that's <laughs> fine. I think that's fine. <laughs> but it, but it is it is something that I've really actually realised quite recently myself and um and actually now set myself to task actively to go okay i'm not going to say anything about myself unless i'm asked the question in a conversation and just to actively do that because i was so that person 
that who would, who would just listening or no, just, who would just jump in with yeah. oh I've got an experience in yeah, that area yeah. or, or whatever just in order to relate or in order yeah. to feel I don't know part of included or involved it's you hard know. though because you often want to to give advice don't mm. you or, or relate what's happened to you if it's similar you often want to do that and there will be a point at which you can do that but it has to be the appropriate moment doesn't mm. it which is hard really but no, I'm surprised because I've always thought of you as being a good listener, actually. Well, you've only known me for the you've past number of eyes. years. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, again, four years of therapy does does do things and, and wake you up to certain mm. certain things. So so I definitely put my, certainly my awareness of that and awareness of that question down to that experience entirely yeah. because before that I had no awareness of that at all. You know, I'd just, I'd just be dying so to who not feel you, awkward you who know? told you you're a not a good listener or did it was it self-realization self-realization right. through i think three years in to yeah. therapy i you know i'd sort of unpacked so much that um that i sort of started to put things together myself and actually that they say you know you can only teach so much sometimes you've just got to let them go off and 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 learn via their mistakes and and basically that that's what happened you know i i'd unpacked so much of my past my history my brain that um i sort of went oh i i'm terrified of picking up the phone because i think the person on the other end cares if i'm an idiot or not <laughs> actually they don't care at all and and that realization what was transformative because i was so i'm not I'm not as afraid of, I haven't, you know, it's never cured entirely, but I'm not as afraid of picking up the phone now because that person doesn't care about me. Mm. Really, they're caring about what they want from me yes. or whatever the conversation's about. But but that uh, that took me four years to figure out. I'm going to be a bad listener now and say, that happened to me. Yeah. And, and it happened to me when I was very young, actually. I remember... Uh, when I was working for Mrs. Thacker at the newsagents. And um, she said, can... And I was about 17, 18. And she said, oh, can you just phone this company and say the order's not right? And can you ask them to sort out this order? That sounds terrifying. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> oh, what? And my mum and dad didn't have a phone till I was at university. And they, they, in those days, it was very difficult to get a, get a phone. I know it sounds incredible these days, yeah. but you had to go on a list and it was expensive and so on. And so they didn't get a, a telephone till till I was at university, and this is probably probably just pre uh, that time. And um, the, I thought, God, I've got to speak on the phone. So I had to dial this company, and this guy on, on, on the other end said, yep, and I just went, the order's wrong. And he went, what? I didn't understand a word of it, which, of course, was even worse. I thought, oh, he said, just slow down and tell me what you want. And that was... One of those awful moments, yeah. you know, and then I slowed well, down. You're on the ground, but you're right. He, you didn't, he didn't care about me particularly. He just wanted to know what I wanted, yeah, and he wanted to sort the order out, presumably. Yeah. Um, but that, what you're absolutely right. That was terrifying for me to to pick up that phone and and dial uh, someone I didn't know, yeah. just to talk to someone I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. um, and yet now we do it all the time on the phone, don't we? You know, sort of, you know, eventually I ended up talking on the phone an awful lot. Sure. Yeah, so. Because um, in radio, or because you uh, had to. well, partly talking to listeners on on there, but I just mean talking to friends and things on sure. on the phone. You know, so do you so. think that helped you 
get over that because that was, you know, you were teens there, weren't you? Yeah, I think it did. I think it was, um, it wasn't the fear of the technology. It was the fear of uh, that you highlighted, you Mm. know, what will they think of me Mm. and how do I do it? How do I talk to someone on the phone, you know? And how? And this was a specific thing I had to do, sort out this order, mm. you know? How do I do... That's kind of, and that's why I just wanted... To, sorry, I probably had the script in my head that yeah, I was going yeah, to say. Yeah, run it over. You know, Mrs. Thacker said the order's wrong and it's got to be number 4762, whatever it was. So then I just blurted it out, you know? And, <laughs> as uh, fast as possible, as just fast as take it out. Thanks very much, bye-bye. <laughs> Who has offered you the most useful career advice? Um, someone told me to stop smiling <laughs> quite so much. Uh, a guy, um, Richard Barnes, his name was, who was an announcer with the old Anglia TV, and I think he did one or two of the other stations. He was on a show called Tiz Was, which was uh, around in the uh, uh, in the 80s, and, and he was sort of the straight man on that on occasions. And he was really experienced. And um, I remember being on doing the, the training to be an announcer. So we were on camera mm. and um, I was obviously, you know, <laughs> someone had said, oh, it's all eyes and teeth, all eyes and teeth. So someone had told me that. So I don't know, I was all kind of like this, <laughs> chatting away uh, to camera thinking, that's it, you know, people will love me for that. And um, he said, he, he very politely, very gently pulled me aside and said, you know, uh, when I was training at Anglia TV in Norwich, I uh, said uh, someone complained to the, uh, the press office and said, um, you know, that announcer is just simpering away <laughs> with it, with that kind of gooey, treacly smile, stop him doing it. And he said it really hit home. He said, so be careful how you smile. It's got to be genuine. You can't just force right. it uh, on TV because it, because it picks up everything. Um so that that was pretty that was pretty good advice for me anyway because I thought I'm going in the wrong direction here. Right. So then I was probably miserable on air. I don't know <laughs> after that. But I thought, yeah, he's he's right. You know, you can't just smile. And yeah. Every, it's uh, got to be like yeah. It's got to it's got to come from the heart. The heart. <laughs> yeah. Who or what might have stopped you from becoming your full potential or from realizing your full potential? Well, it's probably it's going to be me, isn't it? It it it's. It's got to be. I don't think anyone's ever put anything in front of me that 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 I know about, apart from I don't know whether I can mention his name, but we were at school together. But I remember we were doing a road run. The only thing I sort of could do moderately well was sort of road running. I didn't like the cross country, but we did used to do a road run, a um, bit like jogging, really. And um, I was actually out in front, and I remember I thought God, I'm going to win this, and I was. I was went through the staff, the route took us back through the staff car park at the school. And I remember this guy uh, took a took a, a shortcut in front oh. of me, which he shouldn't have done. He sort of went over the bank because you had to stick to the road because <laughs> it was a road run. And he did that. And I thought, that's outrageous. But I didn't have the, the guts to say to him, you you robbed me Jesus. of that, that, that first position. You know, yeah. the one thing I possibly could do in sport, I managed to, you know, you you you, you oh, cheated. And I, I still remember that to this day. So he stopped me reaching my potential <laughs> of being a long-distance roadrunner. <laughs> That's why I gave it all up. Had I got that result, I would be, you know... Running marathons, I would. but I don't. I don't. I can't think of anyone who's not knowingly who's who's ever tried to stop me doing anything. Mm. Um, 
probably apart from me and just the fear of you know the fear of failure the usual fear of failure sometimes i think it's the fear of success as well isn't it you sure. think what would i do yeah. if i did you know if i was on network tv or whatever and then what will i have to do yeah yeah absolutely i think that can be as big a break as or bigger as bigger block as actually uh, you know someone putting a block in front of you mm. you know it's, Kind of your own th- your own thing, mm. so yeah, probably probably me actually at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. And were, uh, were there any moments of fear and that that stopped you from doing things that, in hindsight, you would have liked to have done? No, I don't think so. I mean, I I, I think the fear is always there so much that I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> so I would have right. thought, uh, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, I, I'd love to be a better swimmer, for example, but I don't. I like to have my feet on the, on the, the ground, on the ground, yeah. um, and so I only stay in the shallow end. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd like to, you know, that's a real fear, and I, that fear goes back to my childhood. It's not like something that you know has just come along. Uh, in later years, uh, I remember my dad taking me to Victoria Baths in Nottingham, which were the old Victorian, presumably Victorian baths. I think they've been demolished now. Um, but I, rem- I just remember the noise and the smell of the chlorine, mm. but I remember the noise and it seemed huge and it was like in a hangar. Mm. So it wasn't like a modern, a modern swimming pool. And um, not getting in, and my dad saying, "Get in, get in." And I think, and I just refused to get into. Mm. Um, it's in the early days of learning to swim, so you know that was that's a real fear. And then fear of water, I've still got that, or fear of you know not being able to put my feet on the ground, right. even in a swimming the hotel. You know, yeah. I'm, a bit, I'm a bit the same, really. Mm. Um, and my dad was, I think, he was frustrated at the end of the day, and not that he was a good swimmer particularly, but he could swim. And he didn't mind the deep end and he'd dive underwater and things. Or not dive, but he'd sort of go underwater, which mm. I wouldn't do. Mm. So that, to some extent, was a, you know, a, big, uh, a big thing. And that was a big fear that I still have, mm. really. Mm. Uh, mm. Any advice for people 10 years younger than you about the next 10 years? So 50-year-olds, well, if, if, if you're like me at 50, that's the worst, the worst, not the worst time, but it was the time I suddenly felt I'd gone from being a young person. Even if you're 49, I think you still think of yourself as a sort of youngish person mm. to suddenly being middle-aged. And that was, and, and it's stupid, it's just a number. Of course, it's just a number. You know, there are 40-year-olds who are older than, than 60-year-olds, aren't there? So in, in their, their outlook and everything. So I would say don't worry about the age too much. It gets better. And I think, you know, you, you might get happier and, as you go along. Not that I was particularly unhappy, but I think it, uh, don't worry too much about that, that five zero. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as the years go on, it's fine, you know. And uh, what can they do to you, you know, really? Not very much. Well, they can do a lot, actually, but <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Gary Terza, thank you so much for coming on the programme. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure. If you enjoyed this exploration into Gary's unlived life, make sure to give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel for a new episode every Wednesday. Did you gain something from this episode? Let me know in the comments section. I hope you enjoyed watching. Thank you.